Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed 
So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the show. It is December 1st. It is a Thursday, and we are feeling joyous here. It is very early in the morning. I blame Carl Matchett, and you should as well. So when I stumble over my words, just know that it's all his fault. We had four games in the World Cup yesterday, and they played out as follows. Tunisia 1, France 0, Wabi Kazri with the only goal of the game on 58 minutes. France played an entirely rotated 11, Bar, Chouameni and Varane, who both started. But they did hilarious things like play Matteo Guendouzi as a left winger and play Kamavinga as a left back. The Sassi at right back is less hilarious because he has played there before, but it, it did look funny seeing a giant man running up and down. But we've seen Dan Byrne running up and down in the Premier League, so it wasn't too crazy. Uh, France had a late goal ruled out. If anyone can tell me why, please do. Uh, moving on. Australia won Denmark nil. Matthew Leckie scores on 60 minutes to give the Aussies the win and send the Socceroos through to the knockout phases. I'm absolutely delighted for them. I'm embarrassed for Denmark. They have been atrocious through this tournament. Maybe, maybe the most disappointing of all the teams thus far. There are some contenders for that, though, and we'll talk about two of them in a second. But the Danes just had no fight, no plan, no real creativity outside of Ericsson. And they didn't really seem to care all that much. They went 1-0 down with half an hour to go. And it's not like Denmark were forcing Matt Ryan into great saves over and over and over again. They were just humping balls into the box and Harry Souter was heading them away. So Denmark out. We may have to reassess Casper Hulmund. We may have to reassess him. But the Aussies should be thrilled. Uh, Poland nil, Argentina two. The real Argentina finally turned up. Messi misses a penalty first half, but Alexis McAllister on 46 minutes and Julian Alvarez of Manchester City on 67 minutes, giving them a well-deserved win. They were by far the better team. It's the first time they've actually looked like a real football team. And unsurprising, Enzo Fernandez was right at the heart of everything, playing as the number six, dictating things from midfield. He was absolutely outstanding, as was McAllister. And to be fair, the front three of Di Maria, Messi and Alvarez, they look better than anything we've seen, including Latour Martinez. Saudi Arabia won, Mexico two, Martin and Chavez with the goals for Mexico. At one point, they were level on everything with Poland and having drawn nil-nil with Poland, it was coming down to the fact that they had received more yellow cards than the Poles, and they were going out on that basis. So they were pushing for a third goal, 
and unfortunately left themselves open at the back. Al Dazari with the goal to give Saudi Arabia a little bit of something to celebrate on the day. Saudi Arabia go out, bottom of the group. Mexico go out as the third place team. Poland move on with Argentina. Poland will face France. Argentina will face Australia. There could be some surprises there. Would it be mental to suggest that one of those could end in a shock? Probably, but it could happen. This is a weird World Cup. Saudi Arabia can always have the fact that they beat Argentina, and nobody can ever take that away from them. So while they'll be disappointed, they'll always have the memories of beating Lionel Messi, and that will be arguably the greatest moment of any of those players' career. Today, we have Croatia versus strong contender for the most disappointing team of the tournament, Belgium. Belgium have been awful. There is clearly massive amounts of dissent within the camp. A lot of the players don't seem to like each other. It doesn't appear like Vertonghen and Hazard get on. We know that Courtois and De Bruyne don't get on. It's all very ugly. And anything short of a win sends Belgium home. Unless unless Morocco lose heavily to Canada, which seems very unlikely, Belgium need to win to go through. Croatia go through with a draw. If Canada beat Morocco, they could go through with a defeat. But they will want to win. They will want to top the group and they will want to secure the, I suppose, easier of the draws in the next round. Belgium have been awful and deserve to go home. And hopefully they do. Uh, Morocco versus Canada in the other game. Canada have been exciting but naive. Morocco very well organised. And if that front three clicks... It can be quite exciting. There is talent there, but they are built on a strong defence, good presence in holding midfield, and a lot of hard work and organisation. My expectation is that Croatia will beat Belgium and that Morocco will beat the Canadians. In the later games, we have Spain versus Japan and Costa Rica, Germany. Germany, another one of the contenders for most disappointing. I want Japan to go through with Spain. My expectation more so is that Spain will beat Japan, Germany will beat Costa Rica, and that that's how it ends up. But with with Germany going through, but I'd be very, very pleased if Japan went through. Um, A a scenario that sees Japan through in funny circumstances is Spain-Japan ending 1-1, Germany getting a 1-0 win over Costa Rica. Germany and Japan would both end on four points, both end on zero goal difference, three goals scored, three goals conceded, and Japan would go through on the basis that they beat Germany. So be very, very pleased with that. Um, Those are the games today. Spain, Japan, Costa Rica, Germany, Croatia, Belgium, Morocco, Canada, in reverse order, because the first... The early games are Croatia, Belgium, Morocco, Canada. Um, news out of the England camp. Ben White has had to return home 
for personal reasons and is not expected to return for the rest of the tournament. A statement from the English team says, we ask the player's privacy is respected at this moment in time. Arsenal said on social media, we are all with you, Ben. Um, He was not selected for the first two games against Iran and the United States and missed the win over Wales because of an illness. No idea what the personal reasons are. No idea what's going on there. Hopefully, it's nothing serious. Hopefully, it's not linked to his illness and that's not something more serious. I suppose the automatic thing to think of is that maybe there's been a passing in his family. You'd really hope that's not true. Um, but you know, heartbreaking for the lad to have to go home in the middle of his first World Cup, uh, having you know not not gotten to play at all. But uh, hopefully, fingers crossed that everything works out okay for Ben White. Uh, Brazil legend Pele is in hospital, but his daughter has confirmed there is no emergency. Earlier on Wednesday, ESPN Brazil reported Pele had been taken to Sao Paulo's hospital, Albert Einstein, which is an interesting name for hospital, with general swelling. I'm not really sure what that means. Um, but his daughter has come out and said that he is uh, he's not in a dire pr- uh, prediction. He had a tumour removed from his colon last year and has had regular treatment at the hospital. Uh, he is in hospital regulating medication. There is no emergency or no no new dire prediction. I'll be there for New Year's and promise to post some pictures. Um, ESPN Brazil reported that he was having cardiac issues and there are concerns that his chemotherapy is not having the expected effect. That doesn't sound great now. It really doesn't sound great. Um, Today's... Thursday, so it's a questions day. We're going to talk about Everton and we've got questions. So we'll do Everton first. We'll go to break, come back, do questions, do gossip, and we'll be done. Uh, Everton are not having a good year. They're currently 17th in the Premier League. They are playing the most turgid football in the league. They are absolutely awful to watch. They have won three of 15 games in the league. Drawn five, lost seven, scored only 11 goals, which is second worst in the division behind only Wolves, who don't score goals. Um, their three defeats, sorry, three wins is second worst in the division, joint with Forest and Southampton, who are in the relegation zone, and only better than Wolves, who've won two. But Wolves have changed their manager, they've brought in Lopetegui. Forest have found a little bit of form and organisation over the last couple of games. Southampton have also changed manager, though it remains to be seen if Nathan Jones is any good at this level. Now, the one thing Everton can point to is that they're level on points at West Ham, and West Ham were expected to be in the top seven or eight this season. So there is that. However, West Ham are also playing in Europe and look good in Europe. And there's a lot more reason to be confident about West Ham pulling themselves out of this than there is for Everton. Everton have, without question, the worst manager in the league. Without question. 
Now, there are some new contenders. Nathan Jones is one, but it's because of the unknown. We don't know how good he is at this level. Lopetegui is clearly better. I think Steve Cooper's clearly better. Moyes is clearly better. Jesse Marsh is clearly better. Gary O'Neill, don't know. Gary O'Neill has been made the permanent Birmingham, uh, Bournemouth manager, rather. Who knows? They had a really good start under him. Things have turned and gone badly. But they did recently play Everton twice and pumped them twice. So he's got a case that he's a better manager than Lampard. Rodgers is clearly better. Emery is clearly better. Vieira is clearly better. Then you're into the top half where all the managers are clearly better than Frank Lampard. Lampard's career record at Everton. 38 games as manager. 12 wins, 7 defeats. 19, sorry, 12 wins, 7 draws, 19 defeats. A 31.6% win ratio. Now, bear in mind, Steven Gerrard was recently sacked by Aston Villa after 40 games in charge. He won 13, drew 8, and lost 19. So, as things stand, Frank has two games to go, and he needs a win and a draw to... Equal what Gerard had put forward at Villa. Now, Everton's next two games are in the Premier League. And they are far from easy. So their first game is at home to Wolves. That's on Boxing Day. And that will be Wolves' first league game under Julian Lopetegui. That's a Wolves team bottom in the league and desperate for a, a result. Then they go to Manchester City, which clearly is going to be a very, very tough game for the Ev. If we look at their season so far, they lost at home to Chelsea on the opening day. No shame there. Then they lost away to Aston Villa. Then it was four defeats in a row. Sorry, four draws in a row. Nottingham Forest, at home, bad result. Brentford away, fair enough. Leeds away, fair enough. Liverpool at home, good result. Then they beat West Ham at home, then they beat Southampton away. Now, Everton fans got very, very excited at this point. There were six games unbeaten in the league. And they'd won a game in the League Cup. So it was seven games without defeat. Three wins and four draws. Lampard was building something. And then they lost at home to United. They lost away to Spurs. They lost away to Newcastle. They did beat Crystal Palace. They drew away to Fulham, which is also a good result. They lost at home to Leicester. They got walloped by Bournemouth. And that came four days after they got walloped by Bournemouth in the League Cup. So having gone unbeaten in seven, they have now one win in eight. You look at their business in the summer, and it's hardly inspiring. They bring in Tarkovsky, and I like Tarkovsky. I think he's a good player. They bring him in. They bring in Dwight McNeil. Again, he's a player I do like. They bring in Amadou Onana, who I think is outstanding. I think he's going to be a massive player. Then it's Neil Mopay for 15 million, which isn't, isn't great. James Garner for £15.5 from Manchester United. A talented player and a local boy. He's from uh, Birkenhead. So he's from the Liverpool area. 
Then they bring back Idris Gay. He's clearly past his best, but they bring him back anyway. And Eldon Yakupovich, they bring in on a free transfer to be a bit of depth in goal. They loan in Connor Cody and Ruben Vinagra. Cody's not inspiring, but he fits in a nice deep block. The problem is teams have figured out that that's a very slow defense and that Connor Cody's not particularly good in a back four. So they're exposing him more and more now. There was a time, very briefly, where Everton had the best defensive record in the league. That obviously has has gone away now. Um, But their defensive record is still decent. For a team in the bottom half, it's not bad at all. In fact, it's the joint best defensive record in the bottom half, along with West Ham. You've got Arsenal and Newcastle, the joint best defence in the league. Then then City. Yeah, then City. And then it's Liverpool, Chelsea, West Ham and Everton next as a group. Now, Liverpool and Chelsea will absolutely finish off the season with much better defensive records than Everton. But Everton are making themselves hard to beat. The problem is they can't beat anybody because they can't score goals. There's just not enough goals in the team. They sold Richarlison in the summer. That was obviously a big, big player for them out the door. Um, You saw Alain leave to go to Alwada in the United Arab Emirates. John Joe Kenny was released. Fabian Delph was released. Gilfie Sigurdsson He's gone. Cenk Tosin, he's gone. They loaned out a bunch of players, including Deli Ali, Jean-Philippe Gabaman, Niels Nkunku, Andre Gomes, all gone on loan. That's a lot of money currently sitting out on loan. An awful lot of money sitting out on loan. For me, I, I just... I don't see where they're going. This is a big club. They should be they should be far more ambitious than they are. But their fans seem the fans seem accepting of this dreck that they're putting forward because they're under this misguided notion that Frank Lampard gets them. Frank Lampard doesn't get you. Frank Lampard is a Conservative Party supporting Southerner. He couldn't be any different to the hard Labour supporting Everton fan if he tried. Like he's he just does he doesn't get them at all. It's an act to get you on board. So you'll put up with this awful football. There's no tactical plan here. There's a bank of four a bank of five, and one fella looking really lonely up front on his own. He's turned... Now, in fairness, it has worked. It has worked out quite well. But what he's done this season is he's turned Alex Awobi from an attacking midfielder into a holding midfielder. So you've got three holding midfielders and him, Idrissa Gay, and Onana. Onana's the one being given the most freedom to get forward. I'm not really sure what the mindset behind that is. 
James Garner, he's a holding midfielder. Tom Davies, he's been turned into a holding midfielder. Abdullah Dekorian, the ball-winning box-to-box or holding midfielder. He's playing too wide. It's normally McNeil plus one, either Gray or Gordon. And then Calvert-Lewin when he's fit or Mopay when Calvert-Lewin's out, up front all by themselves. Now, there's some promising signs. Nathan Patterson has looked good this season. Michael Enko has settled in and he's looked good. The centre-back pairing has done well, but teams have figured it out. You do now get Ben Godfrey back, but I'm not sure he gets back in the team while Lampard's in charge. You've got a couple of really sellable pieces here. So if a new manager walked in and wanted to just tear it down and start over, they absolutely could. I think you'll find a club foolish enough to give you decent money for Pickford. I think you'll be able to sell Calvert-Lewin at a good price. Though the injuries that he's had recently, they are going to be of a concern to any buying club. But you will find a stupid club. Manchester United, very interested in him. You messed up in the summer by not selling Anthony Gordon. Me and Guy were talking before we started recording about what is worse, the fact that somebody offered $50 for Anthony Gordon or the fact that Everton turned it down. I think it's the fact that Everton turned it down because clubs make stupid decisions on players they buy all the time. But the reason that happens is because the selling club is smart enough to know that player is not worth a fraction of that. Anthony Gordon is at most a £20 million footballer. And Everton could have got £50 million from him in the summer. All the lad has is pace. He is limited technically. His predominant trait is diving. He seems like a bit of a prick. I'd have been running him to London as quickly as possible. Now, maybe that interest from Chelsea is still there. If it is, great. Cash in. Get whatever you can and move him on. You've got better wingers already in Dwight McNeil and Damari Gray. And that money could go a long way towards helping you rebuild your team. You sell him and Pickford, you'll find it quite easy to replace them with better players. And you'll find that you have a large chunk of money to then go and improve the rest of your team. And Everton aren't awful. Like, I, Pickford will never be for me so I I would definitely be looking to sell him and bring in a new goalkeeper but Patterson and Michael Anko as your fullbacks I mean that's good that is that is solid now Michael Anko is better suited to being a left side centre back in a three and ben, ben Godfrey is better suited to being the right side centre back in a three so you put those in those positions with Tarkovsky in the middle to read the game, to organise. Well, that's a solid back three. Patterson as your right wing back. While you've got him, you could use Ruben Venegra as your left wing back. And maybe maybe there's an option to buy on that deal. I don't know. But Venegra is a really talented attacking player. So that I think that would work quite well. I think Onana is like I said, I think he could be absolutely outstanding. I would look to buy somebody to partner him. And if Southampton go down, Romeo Lavia, his future national 
it's future international teammate is the one I'd go for. I think those two together in midfield will be absolutely outstanding. Then you can play McNeil and Gray with Calvert-Lewin. And all of a sudden, you're going to be a team transformed. You've got better in defence, better in midfield, and your attack makes a little bit more sense. And they're going to get more support, and Calvert-Lewin will get more service because you'll have Patterson and Gray from the right, Venegra and McNeil on the left. McNeil could also play left wing back. It might not be perfect to begin with, but I think it could work. And actually playing McNeil at left wing back might allow you to go and get another goal scorer with the the money that you'd spend on, or that you'd get in for Anthony Gordon. Turn that into a goal scorer who plays just off a of forward. Turn Pickford into a Pickford replacement and Lavia. Turn Gordon into a goal-scoring second striker type. And all of a sudden, you'd look like a different team and your team would make a lot more sense. And that's only bringing in three players. It's not a total teardown. Now, you'd need to add some decent squad depth. So you'd need to find a backup for Patterson. Um, like I said, you'd have Venegra then. If, if McNeil is the starter, you'd have Venegra. You'd have Holgate... Mina, you'd want one more at centre-back, another lefty. But you could sell Michael Keane, and I think you'd probably get a, 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 you'd probably get something for him. Won't be what you paid, but you'll get something. You'd have, say, Decoure and Awobi, and Davies and Gay as, you know, midfield depth. Mopay. Townsend, they can be back up in those secondary striker positions. So go and find someone to be, you know, an alternative number nine. It's not a huge, huge rebuild. But it's a team, I think, that makes a lot more sense than what they're currently rolling out there, with a lot more potential than what they're currently rolling out there. I'd be letting Cody obviously go back to where he came from uh, once his loan is over. You just stop doing stupid things. Like, stop spending a combined 70 million on Cheng Tolson and Gilfie Sigurdsson. I think there's scope for Everton to become a good team with a couple of aggressive moves. Selling Pickford, selling Gordon. I know those moves would be unpopular, but you reinvest that money well, and all of a sudden you're going to be a much better team than you are right now. In January, for this team, with Lampard, because it doesn't look like he's going anywhere, I think they need to try and find more goals. So if he's going to play that 4-5-1, I think he's got to try and get more goals in wide areas. I don't know who, though. I don't know what money there's going to be to spend. Like In the summer, their net spend was about $30 million, including the loan fees for Venegra and Cody, although they likely got loan fees in for the players that they loaned out themselves, like Deli Ali, uh, Gabaman, and, and, and Kunku, and Gomez. Deli Ali not working out under Frank Lampard is... is 
It was partly down to Frank not using him properly. He should have been using him behind Calvert-Lewin in a 4-2-3-1 or something. But I think Delhi's I think Delhi's done. I think he's done. He's got two goals for Besiktas. I hope he does really well over there. But I think he's done as a as a Premier League player, if I'm honest. It's such a shame because the kid was so good. So, so good when he was young. Now his upbringing and his private life was chaotic. But that kid is so, so talented. Um, anyway, for Everton, in January, I would suggest go and get yourself a wide forward who can score some goals. You'll have to look overseas because you won't have the money to get someone from the Premier League who's established. But go and find somebody from, I don't know, France or Spain or Portugal who can get you goals from wide areas. Because there's not enough goals in your team. If you continue to score at the rate you're scoring, you're going down. Because Wolves are going to overhaul you. I think Forest are going to overhaul you. And I think you're in big trouble. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we have questions and gossip. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So we actually have quite a few questions for today. So I'm going to save some of them for tomorrow because, you know, need a bit of content for tomorrow as well. So Alex, I've got your questions on the US men's national team. I will do them tomorrow. Um, Ron Burgundy, I've got your question on an ultimate match you want to go to. I'll do that tomorrow as well. And AMK2889, your question about the World Cup. I'll do that tomorrow as well. Um, So I've got three other questions for today and the gossip, and I'll do the others for tomorrow. Um, Starting out with Alex Wilson, can you build the next Liverpool 11? So for the current strongest 11... Pick the next player you'd like to see as a starter in that position. Can be internal or external solutions. So I'm replacing everybody. So we've got to replace Allison first. That's that's really tough because that is a very very special goalkeeper. I think Andre Lunin, the Ukrainian who's currently number two at Real Madrid, would be my pick in goal if I'm looking for a goalkeeper that suits what Klopp wants. So I'll go with him. You're not replacing Trent because, well, he's one of one. one. He's so unique. So you've got to find a different type of right back. I really like Tino Livermento. And I'd be very happy to see us turn that right-back spot over to him. I've suggested him, if we were to move Trent into midfield, 
I've suggested that Tino would be a right back that I'd have real interest in. Um, Matip and Van Dyke. So the the internal solution to replace Matip. We do have Ramsey at right back. I'll, do you know what? I'll just go with Ramsey at right back because I, I do think that Kate has a lot of talent. And he might be more similar to Trent. Livermento is very different to Trent. So we'll go Ramsey. Obviously, we go Ibu. That's a, a no-brainer there. Um, left side centre-back replacing Virgil is tough. I think Antonio Silva of Benfica is going to be an absolute monster. So I, I think I'd go with him. Left back to replace Robbo. I mean, Alfonso Davies would be the dream, but I don't think he's in any way realistic. I don't think Byron will ever let him leave until he gets to you know his late twenties. Um, Ray and Eight Nuri, I'm a big, big fan. I think he's, I think he's outstanding. So I'll go him. Replacing Fabinho, Romeo Lavia is the obvious choice for me. Um, the midfield is going to pick itself. Moises Caicedo, one side of him, and Enzo Fernandez, the other. Enzo as the the Thiago replacement. Moises more of a Ginny Wijnaldum replacement, which I think is it's what's actually needed. Um, in attack. So we've got Darwin. Like Darwin and Trent obviously will be part of this next Liverpool team. But for this, I assume you want me to replace everybody. Um, and the same with Diaz. Diaz is quite young. My choice to replace Diaz would be Kavicha. And he will be available because it's Napoli. Now, it'll be expensive, but that's... That's an outrageous talent. And I just can't overlook it. To replace Mo, Mohamed Kudu strikes me as someone that could be devastating in that role. I, I think he's so, so good. I really like Kamaldine Suleimana for the other side. If I couldn't get Kavicha, it would be Suleimana. So you'd have the two Ghanaian wingers on the flanks. Now, obviously, that creates problems with AFCON and stuff. But those two are really special. And to replace Darwin, I mean, Osimian would be the pick, but you don't want to lose all of your front three to AFCON. Um, Endrick, the young Brazilian kid, he he just looks different class. We'll go with him. So Lunan, Ramsey, Kanate, Silva, Eight Nuri, Enzo, Lavia, Caicedo, Kudus, Endrick, and either Kavicha or Sulemana. Uh, before anyone asks, no, Harvey Elliott wouldn't be in my team, and neither would Carvalho. I do think both are talented players, and they'd both be great squad players, but they just wouldn't be starters for me. Um, fact, nineteen seventy-seven. I used to live in Senegal, and the player's name, what I call NJA, is NJ? 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 
Enjoy. Oh, enjoy. Is that right? Enjoy? Am I saying that correctly? I hope I'm saying that correctly. If not, my pronunciation is always terrible. Um, it just, I don't know why. I don't know why it just is. Um, who are your five Premier League players, young or old, pro- poised? NG. Hmm. Get back to me. Is it Enjoy? Is it NG? I'm going to go with Enjoy. Um, uh, who are your five Premier League players, young or old, poised for breakout in the 24 matches after the World Cup? This could be players returning from a needed break, those on teams with a favorable, favorable schedule, or those ready to take the next step or continue their hot starts. I'm going to say Salah as an obvious one because he will have had a much-needed rest while the World Cup has been going on. Um, I'd love to see Emil Smith-Rowe come back and catch fire, but I don't even know if he's going to get, get enough game time because Martinelli's playing well, Saka's playing well, and Odegaard is the captain. I think if he can stay fit, I think Isak could really do things in this Newcastle team. But if he can stay fit is is a big, big ask. Um let's see. Let's see. Haaland's another one. Look, Haaland's going he's probably gonna explode after the World Cup again, similar to how he did at the start of the season. So I'll say Haaland. I think it's an obvious one, but I think it's it's likely. Um don't be surprised if young Min Son goes on a tear after this World Cup because the World Cup itself has been a disappointment to him. He's obviously had the injury. He's had a poor start of the season. I think Son is one that needs to be on this list. Um, Looking a bit further down the table, I think Michael Elise is is ready to step up to the next level. I think this is going to be a big run of six months for him. Uh, that potentially ends up in a move to a top club. So I'm going to say him. Tyler Adams is playing so well in the World Cup that I think I'm going to go with him. I think Tyler Adams could well be putting his name on the shopping list of top clubs for the summer. So there's my five. Salah, Haaland, Son, Olise, and Adams. I'm quite happy with that. Um, Question for the pod. Can you make two 11s? One of players who are excellent on the ball, excellent off the ball, but struggle in possession. And another of players who are great with the ball, but terrible or lazy off it. Who would win if they played each other? Um, right. So I'm assuming this is worldwide. So goalkeeper, I'm assuming it's one who's a great shot stopper versus one who's great with his feet but an average shot stopper. So Jan Oblak is a great shot stopper but average or below average with his feet. And I think Ederson is incredible with his feet and below average as an actual goalkeeper. So I'll go with them as my keepers. Um, Right back. 
I suppose Juan Bissaka is the obvious choice at right back. And I don't agree with the premise that Trent is a bad defender. So I'm going to play Jao Canseo at right back. Left back. Left back. I mean, Nuno Mendes strikes me as the most obvious pick here. Um, for the, the you know, good with the ball, bad without the ball. Um, as far as good without the ball, bad with the ball. Could I play Dan Byrne at left back? I think Dan Byrne. But Dan Byrne does play left back, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with Dan Byrne. Um, Centre-backs, great defensively, but bad on the ball. Hmm. It's not that many players that are outright bad on the ball. But those that struggle. We'll go with ones that are good on the ball first. I think I think Ben White is below average defensively, but he's very, very good on the ball. So we'll go Ben White. And we'll go with John Stones next to him. Because again, I just I don't think he's a good defender. I think he's good on the ball. I think he's I think it makes people overlook how poor he is defensively. Um, on the flip side of that, I don't want to pick on Manchester United. Lindelof, I think, is a good defender, but he's better in a deep block than he is in a high line, and he's not very good in the ball. Um, but I don't want to pick him. Mary Demerel, Mary Demerel, good, good defender. Strong in the air, dominant, but it's not good on the ball at all. Um, next to him, I'm going to go. Uh... I'll go Milan Scrinier. It's not that he's bad on the ball, but he's. He's limited on the ball. He's a great defender, though. So I'll go with him. So I like the centre-back pairing. I don't like the full-backs. Uh, midfield. So you're looking for someone who's just a basic, rudimentary midfielder. Ginny Wijnaldum can be a little bit like this, but he is actually good on the ball. It's just he doesn't do a whole lot when he has it at club level when playing for a team like Liverpool. But I don't want to put him in. He's not bad off the ball, but he's he's in, or bad on the ball, but he's incredible off the ball. And he's not the same level, shall we say, on it. I think... I think Paulinho. I think he's outstanding off the ball, but average 
at best on it. Uh, next to him, surely, is this a four? Yeah, play a four man midfield, I suppose, of grafters. So next to him in the middle, I think. Will Fendidi is the one that makes sense. Now, wide, wide midfielders who aren't particularly good on the ball. But great off the ball. Hector Herrera would be one. He's a bit old. Um, let me come back to that for for the midfield of the team that are great on the ball but below average off the ball he used to be great off the ball he's no longer he's a liability now defensively but he's still sensational on the ball as Sergio Busquets and I'm going to put Pedri next to him automatically because he's not very good off the ball either um other midfielder in that three o. Bellingham's not awful off the ball. He's active. He's just not good. He's great on the ball, though. We think of like Thiago's very good on and off the ball. Gavi's not great off the ball, but he's not flat out bad because he's so active. Tony Cruz has become a bit of a liability off the ball, so we'll just throw him in because why not? Um, so Cruz, Busquets, Pedri. Now forward players who offer nothing off the ball. Cristiano, I suppose, has to be in because he's Cristiano and he is absolutely toxic off the ball. He's not great in, on the ball, you know. You know what? He's not great with the ball anymore either, so he's not getting in. Haaland. <laughs> it has to be Haaland. Haaland is woeful without the ball. Um, He's not, to be fair, not great with it either, but he's obviously scores like ridiculous amounts. Wingers who are great on the ball and awful off the ball. Sancho. And... I'm just going to say Anthony because I, I think he's terrible without the ball. Uh, we'll go with Sancho and Anthony either side of Haaland. Uh, this team of players who are great off the ball and bad on it, this is tougher. Abdullah Dekure. You know, put him in as the right winger. Rampaging. Up and down the right wing. And in the other role. Hmm.
the other role is I'm struggling now. Do you know what? I'm going to go with Jolington. He has moments on the ball where he's very good, but he all his best work comes off the ball. So I'm going to go with him. So I've got Dakure, Polinia, Ndidi, and Jolington as a midfield four. And up front, Josh Sargent has got to be the captain of this team. This team, by the way, will be managed by Dirk Kout. And the other team will be managed by Zinedine Zidane. His approach to defensive work, especially late in his career, was to stand with his hands on his hips. As as brilliant as he was, he, he were playing with 10 men at times. Um, only late in his career, though. Early in his career, he put in a shift. But Dirk Kout was always a little bit uh, troublesome when he had the ball at his feet. So Josh Sargent... And he will be partnered up front. Hmm. You're looking for a striker. It's Ollie Watkins. It's Ollie Watkins. A striker who doesn't score nearly enough goals, but works exceptionally hard and is an absolute nightmare for defenders to play against. So it's Oblak, Wan-Bissaka, Demerel, Skriniar, Dan Byrne. Dakure, Palina, Ndidi, Jolington, Sargent and Watkins up front. Am I doing Jolington a disservice? I feel like I probably am. I feel like I'm doing him a disservice. Uh, the other team is Ederson, Canseo, White, Stones, Mendes, Cruz, Busquets and Pedri. Now Cruz and Busquets, like Zidane, wouldn't have been in this team in their pomp. Um, Anthony, Haaland and Sancho, though, I'm I'm absolutely certain of. Uh, so that's that. Um, yeah, like I said, tomorrow I will do the questions from Ron Burgundy, AMK2889, and from Alex. Uh, we're going to do the gossip and get out of here for today. Portugal forward Cristiano Ronaldo has received an offer from Saudi Arabian side Al Nazir worth 150 million a season following his exit from Manchester United. That's 3 million quid a week for those of you who struggle with a bit of division or the guts of 3 million quid a week. So the Saudi Pro League, right? Let's see. There are, he played 30 games in the Saudi Pro League. Now, obviously, they've got their cups and whatever else, but you play 30 games. So he's going to get paid 50 million quid to play 30 league games. He won't have to play them all, you'd imagine, and a couple of cup games per season. No, 150 million. 150 million. To play in that many games. That's ludicrous. Uh, Cristiano wants to play Champions League football. But no Champions League club wants him. Manchester United are in contact with the agents of Cody Gakbo. Hopefully they get him. United will exercise a clause in Marcus Rashford's contract. To extend by another year. That's that's expected. Uh, Real Madrid are monitoring Bruno Fernandes at the World Cup. I would imagine they aren't. 
Tottenham will have to pay $25.9 million to sign Denzel Dumfries. I think they'd be mad to. Brighton and Scotland midfielder Billy Gilmore could move to Villarreal on loan in January. He's not getting the Villarreal midfield. Barcelona and Spain midfielder Sergio Busquets is interested in joining Inter Miami when his contract expires in June. Inter Miami are going to put together some sort of super team that would have dominated the world like six, seven, eight years ago, um, but likely won't do much other than attract attention in MLS. Juventus are interested in Josco Guardiola, but Chelsea are favourites to sign him. I don't think Chelsea are favourites to sign him. They have interest, but I think they're going to go for somebody else. Um, I don't know that Juventus could afford him. LAFC forward Gareth Bale will make a decision on his club future in February after saying he wants to continue playing for Wales. Well, he might as well stay in MLS. Easier schedule. They're not going to ask you to play every game. Pretty good lifestyle. Lots of good golf courses in California. Lots of good golf courses. You're a short drive to Arizona. Lots of good golf in Arizona. You know, you're a short drive to Vegas. You can go and have a good old time. Stay where you are. Bale's contract at LAFC contains a clause that means he can leave before the start of the new season. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Liverpool have identified former Arsenal head of recruitment Sven Mislintat, who worked with Jurgen Klopp at Borussia Dortmund as a candidate to replace Julian Moore. I don't believe this, to be honest. Now, Mislintat is better than what he is portrayed to be because of the time at Arsenal. Um, There's a reason he left the way he did. It's because he wasn't getting control over transfers. Now, some people will tell you that he's responsible for the Nicolas Pepe deal. He wasn't. He was well gone before that happened. The signings under him at Arsenal didn't work out, but it's believed there was a big power struggle between him and Unai Emery and Raul Sinelli, who they wanted to run things their way. He wanted to do things his way. They won. He left. He's done pretty good with Stuttgart. They work on a very small budget, though. He did incredible work at Borussia Dortmund, but that was just as a talent spotter. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a good enough sporting director. I think he's someone you bring in as your head of recruitment, but the problem is Liverpool have a really good head of recruitment. So I don't know what role there would be for him, but I don't think, I'm not putting any faith in it. Uh, The agent of 25-year-old Ivory Coast midfielder Frank Kessie, who moved from AC Milan to Barcelona, has ruled out a potential role to return to Italy amid reports of Inter Milan making a bid. Manchester United have joined Arsenal in trying to sign 15-year-old Scottish defender Jack Wiley from Rangers. This kid is meant to be very talented. I've never seen him. I've no idea. But he's meant to be very, very talented. Uh, Barcelona sporting director Jordi Cruyff says they have been tracking Mohamed Kudus, according to the spoofer with the catchphrase. Um, Is it a quote? Is it... What have we got? Barcelona director Cruyff. We've been tracking Mohamed Kudus for more than one year. We can't say now that Barca want Kudus, but he's attracting interest. I mean, Jordi Cruyff is, isn't very good at his job, but make of that what you will. Um, 
that'll do. That's it for today, folks. I will see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Have a pleasant Thursday. Enjoy the games. And uh, don't do anything silly in any way. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.